The following presentation was recorded live at the River Worship Center in Warsaw, Indiana. We now join the message already in progress. Good about Sunday. I, I, I had a whole series of, of scriptures, and but it just started flowing of the direction we went Sunday. So uh, I'm hopeful that there was a few that got a hold of it. Um, Sister Ashley was was playing and I just went with the Lord and we didn't even broadcast we we recorded but we didn't broadcast just like we're doing tonight and it's it's uh to also it's a freedom to minister but it's also a freedom that you be encouraged and that we grow uh together and as we have a bond it's always been a part of me that I want to encourage people to find the joy and find the peace and find the strength and have a, a earning desire to want to be in church. And, you know, I get it that we have work commitments. I get it that we have things going on. I get that. But there's something about being in his presence, like I hope that you felt Sunday morning, that encourages you when you leave you're like wow i'm glad i came today i'm glad i i'm glad that i was here and not waited to watch it on tv i'm glad that i got to feel what i felt in person and not trying to receive something through some television because you can hear the word through tv through this radio we recorded we're we we're going to record tonight as well for those on Podbean or whatever, and we can broadcast. But would you agree with me that there's something different between hearing the word and feeling God in this house as opposed to just saying, well, at a more convenient time, I'll watch it later. Yeah. Amen. Right? Yeah. There's something that stirs in us. I got it. It's the word, and you get the word. But there's something about it when your spirit feels and your spirit is encouraged, or like when we're praising and you feel, and you, you may have come in, and maybe you're not 100%, maybe you're at 80%. You come in, you get the praise and worship, and yeah, the coffee's good, and the donuts are good. But there's something, you know, the praise and worship hits, and you're like, ah, I feel good. You know, and you're, doing that, you're doing that song, right? I feel good, da, 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 right? Yeah. And you go out differently than when you come in. But how many of us... Have you ever rewatched the broadcast and you watch it and it's good and maybe you get something each time and maybe you're watching, you're distracted and you watch and whatever. And but there's you just know that there's really something different about being in the house of the Lord. Amen. And so. Is TV good? Yeah. Is Facebook live good? Yeah. But to me, there's something about sharing the word of God, just like tonight with people. Real people with real problems that go through things just like the rest of us. Whether we're saying anything or not, each of us go through things whether one another knows or not. And the beautiful thing is, is that it doesn't always have to be known, but just that someone's there if there's a need, right? And uh, so is it okay if I move it over this way just a little bit? Is that Okay. Does that feel all right? So, so go with me into um, into Psalm, 
Psalm uh, 150. And so on, on Sunday, part of it, you might have been, you might, you hear me minister, you might have heard, um, part of the theme was praise and being victorious through praise. And so, so Psalm 150, and um, so if you were to think of a theme tonight in the teaching or something of what do we do when we're facing, how did I say it? I wrote it in my notes. When we're facing the impossible, every one of us have things that have come against us that can mess us up. Every one of us uh, may have had to come through health problems, family problems, right? Situations between family members, finances, health problems, wife, brothers, sisters, people out on the street, whatever. Any one of us could write down four or five things in our life. We're all old enough to where we could write down, hey, these were major things in my life. What did I do to get through them? In my old days, it was easy. Find a couple body, buddies, find some pizza, and find my favorite beverage, and make the most of a Friday and Saturday night, and I was good to go. Right? Drink your, drink your problems away. That was, that was easy. Oh, I got a few bucks. I'm good. As long as I can buy Papa John's pizza for everybody, they were all good with me too. No matter how bad a week I was having, as long as I was buying, life was good, right? The moment that I took a stand and said, something's missing in my life. And you heard me talk about where I said, about coming out and be separate. The moment that I didn't want to party as much, the moment that I stopped spending all my money on liquor and pizzas, and I think maybe in a few fried chickens were in there, right? The moment, the moment that I stopped doing that, all of a sudden my friends started going away. But I had all kinds of friends as long as I was buying for everybody. But you see, I found myself missing something. And when I started to come out and be separate, I was searching for something that would fill the gap. And when you start, when God starts dealing with you and pruning you, and you start putting him in, then it gets a little easier for the pruning to take place and to separate from that stuff. And is, is there still a cost? Yeah, I talked about it on Sunday. I don't have as many friends as I did then. But I'd like to think that the friends I have now are more committed and helpful when I really have a need as opposed to, hey, are you buying before you come down this weekend? Right? So it's about being a blessing, not about always providing. Right? What can, what can someone get from me? What can someone get from you? It isn't about that as brothers and sisters, about what can we do for each other and lift one another up, right? So, so any one of us, would, what do we do when we're facing the impossible? Remember, the Bible says that all things are possible with God, Amen. right? So one of the first things that I had to learn was, what do I do when I go through troubles and now I'm no longer drinking anymore? Well, that's trouble in itself because that wasn't easy to overcome. What happens, right? So if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But you need the Lord to, to fill things up. And um, 
So in the Word of God, I had to learn what do we do when we're facing things. And um, in, in Psalm 150, the one the thing that's so encouraging to me, it says in my in my Bible, it says, let all things praise the Lord. And I asked on Sunday, I said, where is your praise at? Because in Psalm 150, verse 6, I have this highlighted in my Bible. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And then it repeats and it says with an exclamation point, praise the Lord. And and if I can teach you anything tonight about becoming freer in your openness and desire to praise the Lord and not feel everybody's watching you or not feel like there's a concern. Because I would tell this people whether there's a few group or there's 500 of us. Because for me, I wasn't a praiser at the beginning. Oh, I would, I would listen to the music and I would, I would do stuff. But there's a difference now from when I first started of when I got a hold of this about how freeing it was and the victories that I would see through praising the Lord and not worry about the person next beside me or the new person coming. I was one that was bad about that. If there was somebody new, I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to get too radical. Now it's, I just don't care. You know, I'm going to praise the Lord because I know what he brought me through this week already. And I know what I'm expecting that he's going to bring me through this week. So one of the, one of the biggest nuggets I can give everybody is praise your way to victory. And the word supports this statement. The word supports this teaching. The word supports this method, doctrine, however you want to describe it. Because in Psalm 150, it starts out, it says, praise the Lord, exclamation point. Praise God in his sanctuary. Where are we at? So we should be praising. As a Christian, we, the Bible says we should, be, we should be open to praise. And that's why it bothers me. And it, at some point, a baby Christian may not know this. Or someone who's been taught a doctrine that you're supposed to just praise the Lord quietly in your heart. Praise Him. No, praise is outward. It's an, it's an outward expression of the inward change that occurred in you. Amen. Right? No different than you give praise to whoever. Hey, thank you for doing that. Good job. Why? That's natural. But what about the supernatural? The supernatural is, God, I know you got this. Thank you. I'm going to thank you ahead of time. That's faith. That's activating your faith to say, I'm going to speak those things that are not as if they were. And by the way, I'm going to thank you, God, because I know you already got this. I'm going to thank him already. He's got your problem fixed already. Amen. Right? Amen. See, that's, that's activating faith. That's not, that's, you know, oh, thank you, God. I, I, just hope that, I just hope that you'll do this. I know we prayed, and I know the elders all came, came around, but I, I'm, just, I'm just hoping, God, you got... No, you, there needs to be an infusion of some faith there. That's not that's still undeveloped faith in my book that says, listen, God's going to have to do some working on you because we, we got to go from this to this. Amen. <laughs> right. Amen. Amen. And, you know, a lot of people, they they they'd already be checked out on me. They're like, well, I can't do that. Not with here. You can't. This flesh, remember, is at enmity with God. It wants to do this. 
but your spirit man wants you to do this. Hallelujah. Right? And you don't have to... The other thing that was talked about on Sunday is where's your praise? And then also, so in other words, do you have praise or not? And the other part is, is where is your praise at in location to your battle? I, I love this teaching. This, I wish there was a thousand people listening to this. And maybe there will be on broadcast. Because part of faith is, is when your praise is before the battle occurs and not waiting to the outcome that everything worked out in your favor. Does that make sense? Because let's say, let's say you have a, have a, a need arises of whatever, just whatever it is in your life. You can put a name to it. Maybe, maybe you hurt your big toe, right? Your toe's hurting and it hurts to walk, right? And so I'm trusting the Lord. I stubbed my toe. It was my own fault, right? Wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, uh, right? I'm trusting the Lord for healing. I prayed. I, got, I, call, I had a prayer request. I'm believing. I'm going to thank the Lord ahead of time that my foot's going to be healed in Jesus' name. Now, that seems like a silly thing, but apply that to a bigger problem. Because if you can apply it to the little problem, then you can now apply it to the bigger problem. Where is your praise? Is it before the battle or after the battle? Because it's always easy to praise after you've won. But can you still praise him knowing there's a battle coming or that there's a battle already going on and find peace and joy in that? That is a, that is a learning, teaching... Um, that is a uh, maturing Christian... When you have learned to praise, even going through a problem. If you can praise when you've had your finger cut off, let me tell you, you've got some faith. Amen? When you can sit there and have your fingers cut off and you're still praising the Lord and you're still happy, let me tell you, you've learned count it all joy when you go through various trials. Because a baby Christian, oh, right? I'm... I'll be a first one minute. I'm going to be going. I don't know how much thankfulness I'm going to have at that point. I got to work on that, right? So, as we read his word, praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Is your praise in line with how great he is? If not, then we have something to work on, don't we? Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Do you, do you hear the shofar going off on Sunday mornings? That's what we're doing. We're praising Him at the beginning. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with string instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Do we have those? Yeah. So it's scripture, scriptural, biblical, that we praise on Sunday mornings. We're doing it God's way. Amen? And then in verse 6, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So my question is, is why aren't people praising the Lord? Why can some on a Sunday morning praise 
with an exuberance that's wonderful and others that are like a, waiting on a rock to cry out because they, they're not comfortable praising the Lord. Now, either they're young or they're new Christians or they haven't been taught or where's the breath of God in their hearts? Let everything that has breath. So, so are they spiritually dead if they haven't yet learned how to praise the Lord? Because if we're born again and we're a new creation in Jesus Christ and there's a newness about us, there should be praise because God has filled our lungs with the very breath of life every single day. Amen? So, I know we talk about it quite often, but that breath is important because, as we heard on Sunday, you don't really recognize it till it's taken away from you. If you had to pay for it every day, you, you might appreciate it a little bit more. But we just take it for granted, don't we? We get up and, whew, right? But think about it. God gives us the breath every day. Every day. We, we get up. Whew, thank you, Lord. Right? If, if you have nothing else to thank Him for, whew, thank you for another day, Jesus. Thank you, God. It's, it's so simple, right? But it's a teaching. It's, a, it's, it's something I never, ever got until I opened this book. Can I tell you, I was one of the worst. I took, I took the good things of life so for granted and never got, gave God one ounce of thankfulness for it. But once I got born again, and I started reading his book, then I can I can wake up in the morning. I can I can, I can go to bed at night. Thank you, Lord. Even on the roughest of days, right? Thank you, Lord, for another day. Good morning, Lord. Pastor Burkhart used to tell us. If he told us once, he told us a hundred times. Before his feet even hit the floor. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Before he even hit. His feet even hit. And it stuck with me. It's still to this day because it's like I can be going through any trouble and yet I still can be find thankfulness in my day. Anybody have a bad day? Anytime in the last month. Right? But don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let him steal your thankfulness. Because the Bible says to enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And his courts with? praise right so now let's let's get encouraged and we're i had trouble getting to i i talked a little bit about it uh let's move over just a little bit in isaiah in scriptures again i'm reading out of the new king james in, in isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 and my bible it's like page 920 um so just go a little bit to the right from psalms and proverbs and i and then there's isaiah Yeah, in 40 and, 40 and 28. So here in Isaiah, the question gets asked in Isaiah 40 and 28. It says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord? The creator of the ends of the earth 
the creator of the ends of the earth, the one that made it all. His word says, neither faint nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you found yourself getting weak or maybe wandering? And there's a promise here that, that, that falls right in line that he's the one that gives power. I don't know about you, but I've needed some power. I need some strength renewed. There's been times where I've been battle-weary. Right? And when the attacks are high, this is when the devil will try to kill your joy. Remember, it talks about kill, steal, and destroy. Well, the devil would love to get your thankfulness gone. Think about it when you went through a battle. He can, if he can get your mind on, on the problem, then you, you have trouble being thankful. If he can get you to stop having being joyful, if he can get you to not praise, can you see how it can turn into a slippery slope? And it's the same attack that attacks every single one of us. It's the same, same pattern. But when we're going through something, how many of us need to remind it Go back to the basics. Go back to the basics, Thompson. Go back to the basics. Because it's the same trick. He does the same thing. If he can put enough pressure on you, right? And then before you know it, what happens? We're like Peter. We look at the problems all around us and not the creator of the heaven and earth. He says, even you shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord... I have this highlighted, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Now this weight here in the Bible is not sitting back in your lazy boy recliner doing nothing. This weight is an expectation of God to move on your behalf and having faith that all things are going to work out for your good, especially because you love God. Right? And are called according to his purpose, right? So in faith, you're going to believe, waiting on the Lord, knowing that he's got this. Amen? So this waiting, the waiting on the Lord, and in this, I'll just read this in part of the study Bible. Another, another reason why I love these, uh, these Bibles, in, in my notes, it says, Wait on the Lord means to go about the routines of life with a fervent, patient hope that will consummate his rule in his time. He will deal with evil. Such an inner attitude gives one strength to mount up above the moment. Amen? That expectation, thank you, Lord, I, I'm believing in faith that, that this is going to work out for my good because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. I'm in faith speaking according to your word that you got this. I'm waiting expectantly, kind of like when I'm bluegill fishing. I don't just sit in the back of a boat with a Subway sandwich and a pop when I'm bluegill fishing. Now, that's fun. I got it. But when I go bluegill fishing, 
I, I'm, I'm out to catch me some dinner. There's times where I'll sit back, I got it. But when I throw that bobber out off that weed bed, and I get it right off that edge on that inside turn of that weed, I'm expecting that there's bluegill laying right there at that weed bed. And I'm expecting three, two, one, bam, got him. Okay? A deer hunter doesn't go out to the deer blind and just sit there after eating four or five sandwiches, even though after one or two I've had a problem of, of, of sitting there and, and my belly's too full and I get little, my eyes get a little, and I, there's probably been deer walking by my deer blind too many times that I didn't get. But a deer hunter, when he goes out in the mornings, he has an expectation to see something walk by him. Otherwise, why would he do it? Now, I, granted, it's fun sitting in a boat. It's fun sitting in a deer blind. It's relaxing. It's peaceful. But you, there's an expectation that something's going to happen. No different than we talk about having an expectation coming to church. That through His Word and through the Holy Spirit, that there's going to be something that I gather tonight in His Word that I can take with me and hang on to when I'm going through my next battle. Because guaranteed, there's an enemy out there waiting to see if he can trip you up and take your joy, take your thanksgiving, take your, take your praise, divide us as a couple. One of his biggest tricks is to see if he can get us apart. Spouse, if he, if he, can, get, if he can get in between you and your wife, if he can get in between you and your wife, the wedge technique, divide and conquer. If he can get somebody outside at a more convenient time, I'll come to church. Knowing that they need to be in church. Right? Divide and conquer. So there's an expectation that when we come to church, we learn the tricks of the enemy, but we also know the promises of God and how to fight our battles. Amen? On the praise team, we sing, this is how I fight my battles. We've sang that here, right? Is that the name of it? Praise your way to victory. Even when the battle is high. Right? So, I also talked about, because I'm running out of time, I also talked, before we get to the key scriptures, in Mark chapter 5. Okay, Mark chapter 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Mark chapter 5. Are you there? Amen. Luke, are you there? Mark, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 in, got too many post-it notes, there we go, Chat, uh, verse 24, are you there? Okay, so the Word of God says, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him, in other words, they were all real close. They're all walking, okay? And now a certain man, a certain woman, 
had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, is verse 26. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, right there, that tells me this is, this is, you can read through this real fast, but can you see the picture here that this woman had been dealing with something for 12 years, had, had sought help, sought physicians, sought for advisors, sought for trying to do something, spent all that she had doing it, and didn't get any better. The situation really got worse when she was trying really hard. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some situations in my life where I tried real hard, and it got worse and worse and worse, and I spent everything I had, and it still didn't work out. And I was looking everywhere else except God. Amen? And here this woman had this problem for 12 years, and when she heard about Jesus, I love this right here. You ought to have this highlighted. When she heard about Jesus, what happened in your life when you first heard about Jesus? <laughs> right? In verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, you know, there's a whole bunch of people, they need to hear about Jesus, because it would change their life. Right? That's what changed my life. <laughs> right? I was spending everything I had. I had no... I, I made decent money, but I, I was living on 120% all the time. Didn't, didn't know, didn't believe in tithe, what was all that about. Didn't believe in offering, didn't believe in giving. Didn't have any sense of praise and worship. Living my own life, buying stuff for everybody else, doing what I wanted to do, in debt. Life of the party. And then one moment, things weren't going so well. And it got worse. And it got worse, and it got worse, and then all of a sudden, this man heard about Jesus. Then things changed. That's when things changed in my life. And listen, for this woman, things changed when she heard about Jesus. And things can change when your family members hear about Jesus. They may reject it, that's, that's one thing. But when they truly hear it and they get it in, instead of letting it bounce off of them like water off a duck's back, when they really hear about Jesus and it gets in here, change happens. And she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now this woman was unclean. Right? For she said, how many of you ever been in this position right here? This is, just, this is just jumping off the page right at me. Like I could preach this for a month until enough people heard it. Because she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that's what it looked like right here. The hem of his garment. The tassels. Right? If I can... She thought to her, after 12 years of battling and having problems and spent all she had, she said to herself, if I can just touch him, I'll be made well. I can be healed. If I can just touch Jesus, I can get my life in order. Right? Isn't that incredible? How many of us know people that need to hear that message right there? 
that their life can be so different, no matter if it's 12 years, 12 months, 12 minutes, 12 seconds, their life can be changed when they would hear about Jesus. I know that was for me. That was a big deal in my life. For a man who took me under his wing and wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and knew that that's where my true healing came from and would come from. It's awesome. She says, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Right? All these people were around him, but who touched me? I want him to say that about me. I want him to say that about you. You're going through something? I want, I want Jesus to say, He touched me. Who touched me? Who was it that I just blessed? He knows. Right? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you. In other words, you see all the people around you, and you say, who touched me? There's a disciple. That would be, one of, that would be something I would do. That would be one of those open mouth, think later kind of things, you know. Verse 32 says, And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Listen, there's, there's nothing like when Jesus gets a hold of your situation and you got turbulent water everywhere and it's like him saying, Peace, be still in your life. When you hear Jesus say, Peace, be still. The waters have been rolling. Life's been a mess, but go tonight in peace. Amen? You know what happens when you go in peace? You sleep all night. You're not counting sheep at midnight, one, two in the morning. Right? You're not doing this. God, I know you got this. Are you sure you're speaking what your actions are saying? See, that's me. God, I know you got this, but I gotta find out, I gotta figure out what plan B is. I'm gonna I'm a D, I'm gonna look at plan B, plan C, plan D, but in case God don't got this. Right? But you know, how many, how many of us have ever had that situation when we're going through trouble and we just got to give it to Jesus? Now, I use the sleep thing as, as, a, as a peaceful thing, but really, how many of us get uptight when we're in trouble or affliction? Maybe we're not in trouble, we just have something bothering us. Cast all your cares onto Him, for He cares for you. It's the same scenario. You're, you're casting your care. Here, 
Jesus, I'm, I'm giving this to you. And he says, okay, I'll take it. Have peace about this situation. Whether it's sleeping, finances, job, family. Right? Have peace. So, here is an example of a woman who got a hold of Jesus, has peace, her faith has healed her. Another example, in my life, hearing about Jesus changed my life forever. Made good money, horrible disciple. Made decent money, horrible with my finances. Now, I'm disciplined as a disciple. See the difference? It changed me. It changed my life. Where I could be, when I heard about Jesus, I became, I had the ability to become the husband that she needed. Until then, I was the husband, not that she needed, just a husband. Because something changed in here, not just in here. To where I could, the change, you see, when I heard about Jesus, something inside of me, I got a new heart, a new creation, to where I could be the husband I need to her. Shortly after I got saved, then I became a father. I, can't, I couldn't have been a father correctly unless I'd heard about Jesus because he needed to be raised in a house, trained in the way he should go. So when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Depart from what? The way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Well, my old ways, he wouldn't have been brought up that way. But he's got a call on his life that was activated when I got saved, I believe. That it was God's timing because we were married, saved, saved properly, not living, not living a deceived life, so that he would grow up in church. Because I didn't grow up in church. I didn't go to church until I heard about Jesus and I had a heart change. So I've got just a few more minutes as they're teaching on, on things that you may, you know, you already know, but the word's just confirming in your heart, knowing that the direction is Jesus Christ for you in your life and, your, and the problems that we go through. It's just confirmation. It says, I got to get to Jesus about this. Whatever it is. And uh, in the near future, you're going you're gonna to see a... Um, a news article, our, our article, it's like, how, how many times could you actually say or would we admit our stubbornness to want to handle things on our own? Right here. When reality is, is I just need to give it to the Lord and not fret about it. Right? What happens if you don't have a job? Looking for one when I found this one. Who's my provider? The Lord or not, my, or not my Lord? Right? Why worry about it? Well, that's easy for you to say. Well, guess what? I've had to deal with it, and I've already dealt with it, and I've already overcome it because I heard about Jesus. I had to make a decision in my heart going, do I trust him in my finances or do I not? Has he brought me? Did he, did he take me from where I was where I'm at now or did I do that all on my own 
I couldn't do it on my own. That's why I needed him in the first place. Because I had nothing to offer him except for me, right? And so I've had to deal with that recently because the attacks come saying, oh, you got this coming against you, this coming against you. And it's like, okay, I'm going to believe in faith. I'm going to trust the Lord and I'm going I'm to give this to him. And then you know what I did? Then I went to bed after that. <laughs> right? As a man, we worry about those things. I know I do. I don't know about any of you, but I do. Because it's, it's part of my calling. It's part of my job. Put food on the table. Well, guess what? He's my shepherd. And I shall not lack anything. Right? Isn't that what Psalms say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right? Amen. All right. So now, we're going to close with this. And this... I really wanted to start here, but I had to build this, build this teaching of saying every one of us have things that come against us. Every one of us have afflictions. Every one of us are going to go through things. And this, these scriptures I found are so encouraging and just are jumping off the pages of me recently in Second Chronicles. So go to Psalms and then go to your left to Job and then keep going into Esther, Nehemiah, where we've been reading, Ezra, and then you'll find Second Chronicles. So hopefully this is a refresher to some of you. So in Second Chronicles, mine's like page 575. So Second Chronicles chapter 20. If you're there, say amen. <coughs> amen. 632, so it's in that neighborhood. What's yours? 500. 500? Okay, well, we're in that five to 600 range. Well, there's different, different copyright dates, different versions. So there's 91 model, there's a 2002 model, 2004, 2020 model. We've got all different models, right? So, Second Chronicles chapter 20, we're going we're gonna to read about King Jehoshaphat, Okay. So the beauty of King Jehoshaphat is he's actually in four different chapters in the Bible. He's in chapter 17, where he's talked about uh, a godly king. And in chapter 18, um, he's, he finds out the hard way of when he, when he works with a wicked king. And he finds out one of life's left lessons, and that's in chapter 18. Uh, he learns the hard way because it failed miserably. How many of you know when you yoke yourself with, with uh, evil, you're going to find yourself in some challenging situations? The only place the evil one has is out and not, not uh, tolerating. And he learns, a, he learns a life's lesson. In chapter 19, he's building up southern Judah because during this time we have Israel and Judah. This is a divided, king, divided kingdom, okay? So we're in chapter 20 now, again still talking about King Jehoshaphat. And so I'll begin reading the Word of God, and this is in the title of mine. It says, Amen, uh, Amen Moab, and Mount Seir defeated. Uh, it happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the uh, Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. 
So here we have a, a good king, a righteous king, and the battle is on. And we're going to read, this is one of the biggest battles Jehoshaphat went through. This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Okay. And uh, it says, Then some came and, Jeho and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. You ever had anything great multitude coming against you? Yeah. This is why this, this touches me. The, the Word of God is touching me recently and through the way I ministered on Sunday because we, each one of us can have, can be, can, let me put it this way, can be living a good life, a righteous life before God and still have many battles and struggles. That's why I say just because you get saved doesn't mean everything's going to be all peaches and cream. Here there's a mighty multitude coming against King Jehoshaphat and he was a godly king. Okay. He says from Syria, and they are in uh, Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedai. Verse three, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast through all Judea. What did he do? He designed. He purposed in his heart to seek the Lord. So get the picture. Affliction, many people coming against us. We can go to the things of the world or we can go to the Lord. He's given us a mighty big example, isn't he? I love this. This just It's jumping off the pages of me going, Thompson, you already know this. When you have affliction in your life, get to Jesus. Seek the Lord. You know this. You've been taught this. You've been brought up in this. And hear the Lord in His in His beautifulness and His kindness, and it jumps off the pages at me, going, "Listen to what I'm telling you." <laughs> right? I just get excited about it because it, it, the word is like I mean, all the scriptures that we could have ministered tonight, and the scripture just gets me happy. Right? That ever happened to you? You you've read it a dozen times, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, "Thank you, Lord." Yeah, and it just encourages me, right? So he said, so, he, so as a king, he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah, Judah, Judah. And Judah means what? Praise, okay? So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. Point number two. All of Judah, the king proclaimed a fast, then Judah gathered together to ask help from who? The Lord. Not the world, not your job, not... Right? And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. That's some mighty awesome unity right there. When you could get everybody in the church to seek the Lord at one time. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen? If everybody could just pray all at once, wouldn't that be awesome? So, let me read to you the study notes. It says, Fasting was one of the keys to releasing the deliverance Judah experienced. 
This was a a proclaimed fast in which the whole nation participated. Fasting is not a tool by which one manipulates God. Hear me. Okay, This this is truth. It's not a tool by which one manipulates God to accomplish something. Fasting is simply an outward indication of an inward sincerity, evidence of the urgency we feel when praying for special needs. Does everybody understand that? It's, it's, not, it's, it's designed for us to have that sincerity in our prayers. Okay? So continue reading. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Remember when I talked about on Sunday? He's praying for this situation he's in but as he's praying, he's reminding God of and reminding himself about how big and how great he was in all the other victories beforehand. Does that resonate with anybody? So if you're going through an affliction, say tonight or tomorrow, thank you, God. I'm praying this situation. I'm believing in faith. And oh, by the way, God, I thank you for what you did in my finances. I thank you, God, what you did in my marriage a year ago. I thank you for how you brought me out of that mess a year. That's kind of what's going on here. Okay? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, look at this, this is incredible. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. That's faith. That's believing he knew his God, that God was going to hear him and save him from this affliction, this mighty problem that was in his life. The people that were coming against him, they didn't have a chance when God get a hold of the situation. Right? So, the second key, this is, this is parts 4 through 11, we'll keep reading. The second key that was integral to Judah's deliverance was prayer. The prayer of Jehoshaphat here is reminiscent of Solomon's prayer in chapter 6 and 1 Kings 8. Perhaps it was based on the promise in 714. You remember 714? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their wicked ways, then I'd heal their land. Amen? Gives the essence of this prayer of helplessness. Okay? So here we go. Let's keep reading. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. 
Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we, look at this, I've got this highlight too. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Has anybody in this room ever been in that situation where you're praying to God where, you know what, I've exhausted plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, and now I just need to get my eyes on you because I don't know what to do. Come on. You're not on camera tonight. Right? And you're like, Lord, I don't know how we're going to get this situation fixed. Lord, you promised but I have no idea how we're going to move from Silver Lake, Indiana to Milford on what I make and what we do. I don't know how this is going to get done. All I can do is sit at the beach on that chair and pray to you and believe in faith and look into the, to the, to the eastern sky there and say, Lord, you said this. I'll give you the desires of your heart. And I don't know how it's going to work out. But Lord, I'm trusting you in faith, believing you're going to make a way for this to happen. Now, whether that's moving locations or buying a house or fulfilling promises and calling or helping you when you're in affliction or you can have everybody coming against you and threaten your job and threaten this and all that, but yet let me tell you that when you hear about Jesus and you get to Jesus, watch God move on your behalf. Amen? I preach myself happy over that because let me tell you, when you find yourself in that moment in time, Every one of us can put on our big, big suits and make ourselves feel good. But there's a point in time in every one of our lives, we're all old enough where we've sat there and said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do through this mess. I just got to get my eyes on you and rely on you. Amen. And that's when faith hits the road. That's, that's when you're sitting here going, uh, Lord, I just don't have this figured out. What am I going to do next? And here, Jehoshaphat, that's where he's at right here. He's a godly king, and he's saying, I've got all this army. i got all this to my, around me, but Lord, I need you. Isn't that awesome? I just, I just think that's just incredible encouragement to me that, no, that, listen, I don't have to have everything figured out. I just got to have faith in God and trust in him that it's going to work out on our behalf. Whether I have a job or I don't have a job, whether there's people coming against me or don't, I'm still going to believe that he's going to make a way just like he did back then. Ugh. Amen. Hallelujah. That makes me happy. Because I tell you, I need that because when I've had afflictions, the devil would love to get me to not remember that. If he can get me focused on the problem as being so big that I forget what God has already done, man, he's got half the battle beat because it's right in here. When I start forgetting about the things God already brought me through, then when I remember, I think the worry just seems to go away. Isn't that awesome? It does for me. And maybe I need a reminder lately, but that's okay. That's how the Lord works with me, and I just hope you're getting something out of it because this scripture is just jumping off the pages at me tonight. He says, uh, but our eyes are upon you. Listen, church, 
no matter what we go through, our eyes need to be upon the Lord. Amen? Verse 13, Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. You know what? There's going to be a day coming when we stand before the Lord. (laughs) And uh, I just hope that we, as we go through afflictions, we're willing to stand and not cave. Amen? says, verse 14 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benia, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, oh, and you King Jehoshaphat, right? So all the way up to the king, everybody, listen, the, word, the Lord's got a word for everybody. <laughs> Not leaving anybody out, basically, right? He says, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. <laughs> you know, when, you get, when you're going through something, you got people battling you on every side, and the Lord gives you a word that says, do not be afraid. Do not dis- be dismayed because of this great multitude. Man, you got, you got two choices. Either ignore the Lord or receive the word. It's that simple. Because you're either going to believe the prophetic word that's given or you're going to just keep hanging on to the fear, the doubt, the junk, everything else, right? You got a choice to make. So I'm going to, I'm believing. I'm not going to do this. I'm believing. Right? Mm. Hallelujah. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Hmm. Now, right there, that'd be an easy time to say, well, okay, I don't have to do nothing. Is that what he's saying? Lord's got this, but we need to stay in position. Look what he says. He says, tomorrow, go down against them. In other words, we're going to still have to take a stand. We can't just go to our lazy boy and go into the deer blind with our sandwiches and sit back and go, no, uh, Lord's got this, he'll get me a deer. No, there's still going to be a part on our part to take a stand, to throw the bobber out of the lake and do something about this. But look, he wants us to be in position believing on him there's a position that says okay i don't have to do nothing but there's also a very awesome position when you and i as christians go i go from here to i go in position i go god you got this i feel good about this i've given this to you it's all going to work out it may they may have a whole armies coming against me but I'm going to stand here with peace in my heart, in faith, that the Lord's got this. That's the position. That's the teaching. That's, that's, we don't go into full lazy boy mode. We go into a position that says, Lord, I receive this word, and I'm not going to fear any longer about this situation. And I'm not going to fret anymore either. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook 
before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Another reminder that you're not alone in this fight. Remember what he said to Joshua? I was talking about it on Sunday. And Joshua, do not be afraid. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Fear not. It's the same, same thing, repeating. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. What was he doing? Did he bow his head to the ground in defeat? Bingo. Reverence in the Lord. And all Judea and the habits of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. You're another nugget to victory. Praise, prayer, fasting, worshiping. All these things King Jehoshaphat is teaching us through the word of God as we fight our battles and we go through affliction. Is that good? You see people, they won't praise, they won't worship. They're like this. They're missing it. They're flat missing it. Because it's with a reverent heart that we come before the Lord worshiping. We, we're in praise with our, with our hands and our expressions and our mouth. We're giving thanks. And these are things of a new creation. You're not the old self anymore. You're being born again. You're being molded into those things that please the Lord. Right? Verse 19. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohatites and of the children of the Korahites stood up, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Biblical teaching. Standing up to praise the Lord. Bowing down to worship the Lord. Amen? Voices loud and high. Not ashamed to give Him praise. Thank you, Lord. Loud and high. Not quiet. Is there a time for reverence and quietness? Yes. But there's also a time to praise your way through the battle. Amen? So they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Trust God. Trust in his word. Trust the men of God that have been put in your life. Amen? Think Pastor J.C. loves you? You think I love you? Don't want anything harmful to hit you. Amen? Praying for you, believing in you, trusting you, come alongside of you. Have I got everything figured out? No. Does anybody have it all figured out? No. Brother Luke, come beside you, help you. Brother Terry, Brother Phil. Right? That's what we do here. Believe in the Lord your God. In verse 21, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. I talked about this on Sunday, about 
setting yourself apart, allowing the Lord, your new creation, you've been appointed to sing and give Him praise and honor, whether you know it or not. And who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, to praise the Lord, who? What did they have to do? They began to what? Sing. And to praise. Sing. When they began to. What are you going to do tonight? What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do in the morning? Sing. Praise. Worship. Loud. High. Giving reverence, right? It doesn't always have to be when you're going through battle, but let me tell you, if you're doing it before the battle, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Amen, Amen, Moab, and Mount Seir. The people that were coming against him. The Lord ambushed those three attackers. who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Where was the praise at before the battle? Or at the battle? I just gave you the answer. Where was the praise? Before the battle. Before the battle. Don't wait till you're in a battle to praise the Lord. Don't wait till you're in a battle before you start praying. Don't wait till you're in a battle till you start worshiping the Lord. Right? Don't wait till you're in a battle to start reading the Word. Amen. It all becomes to prepare you so you can take a stand as the Lord fights your battles. But you've got to be in position so you can receive in faith to give it to Him and stand strong and trust in Him and believe in Him. Amen? Amen. It's easily heard. Tough to put into practice until you make it a habit. Right? But you're being taught it. Now it's us for us to start applying it before those battles come. So that as you're going through the battle, you can go through it a lot better. Amen. Right? God's got it. Do we have to take a stand? Yes. Do we have to pray in the Spirit? Yes. But we don't fight against bodies, peoples, right? How does that go? We don't fight against... Yes! But how hard is that to overcome too sometimes? We know it, but it's applying it. That's the beauty of this word. You can hear it, but you got to be more than a hearer. You got to be a doer of the word. You got to apply the word, and that's when you and I grow as disciples. And trust me, I ain't got this all figured out. 
But here's where it all hits the road is when you start applying the very word that you see pastor talking about in all his years of ministry, right? And as you apply this word, then you see the fruit of the word and how it encourages you through those storms and through those situations. And we just sometimes need a reminder about applying it to our lives. Amen? Is that good? Does that help anybody? Amen? And you can write it down. You can look through these scriptures later. But when we hear about Jesus, we hear about the word, and then we are reminded of these, these are key. These are, these are core things to remember through the storms of life, right? So let's seal the word in prayer. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for your refresher. We thank you for things that we already knew, but we need reminded through your word about how we fight our battles and how we find strength and how we have our strength renewed so that we may soar above the problems and we may soar like an eagle watching over the problems and not, and not consumed by our problems, but we're walking and flying above the problems. And, and we just thank you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us here at the River, you can email us at study at riverwc, all one word, dot org. Again, that's email to study at riverwc, dot org. God bless you.